Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary VTW, void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus hey everybody welcome to the big ticket variety and iheart's new film podcast i'm your host mark malkin Today, we've got Jared Leto. He's talking about his upcoming Spider-Man villain movie, Morbius. And I also asked Jared if he ever wants to play the Joker again. And later, Kevin Costner. The Oscar winner is revealing to me that he's getting ready to direct again. It's all coming up today on The Big Ticket. Stay tuned. Hey, everybody. This is Jake Brennan, host of Disgraceland and the 27 Club. I want to talk to you about another podcast that I produce called Blood on the Tracks, The Phil Spector Story. Blood on the Tracks, The Phil Spector Story is a 10-episode look at the madness and genius of record producer Phil Spector. Phil Spector and the music he created shifted and shaped American culture. But behind his famous wall of sound, there was a darkness, violence, and an intense inferiority complex that those who knew him and worked with him were all too familiar with and that led to the senseless murder of actress Lana Clarkson. With Phil's recent death in the news, Blood on the Tracks has become all the more relevant. Just like Phil Spector, this podcast sounds like nothing you've heard before because you can't push the needle into the red without leaving a little blood on the tracks. Listen to Blood on the Tracks, the Phil Spector story on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back. This is The Big Ticket. I'm your host, Mark Malkin. Right now, Jared Leto. I sat down with Jared at the Tribeca Film Festival where he was premiering A Day in the Life of America, a new documentary he directed. Hello, Mr. Jared Leto. How you doing, man? Good. How are you? I'm pretty good. Just came in from uh, London. Yeah? What were we doing in London? Filming. Yeah? Yeah. What movie would that be? It's called Morbius. (laughs) What could you tell us? Uh... (laughs) Not a lot. <laughs> I thought about it, but then I'm... No. You always wanted to play a vampire, didn't you? I've always loved uh, vampires. Yeah. When I, when I was a kid, I remember being at my grandmother's house in Louisiana, and, uh, you know, the, the original, the OG, would come on, mm-hmm. and just being pretty transfixed, as so many of us were when right. we saw that. Yeah, I've always, I was, and then the Anne Rice era... Mm-hmm. was big for my brother and I. I remember we would pass those books around 
uh, to each other. And, and then did you get into Twilight? You know, I didn't. <laughs> I was just too damn old. I was too old, too jaded, too over uh, prepubescent uh, ideas of romance. But no, it was, uh, I know, really big uh, Twilight. And then, you know, there's been, there have been others. But yeah. I always loved uh, Gary Oldman's performance. Yeah. Of course. It'd be a great performance. Great, that was a real wonderful film. I thought Coppola. Um, Hunger, mm -hmm. great movie. For that's that's yeah. a less widely seen yes. film, but a beautiful, beautiful movie. I mean, it was just beautifully shot. And of course, movies like Thirst, a Korean uh, mm -hmm. vampire film, really worth checking out. So let's talk Tribeca Film Festival. Yes, sir. What are you doing here? Um, we're 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 finishing a documentary. You know, yeah. festivals are great um, because they're really just deadlines for filmmakers. Mm -hmm. uh, in in some ways, obviously, it's a lot more than that. It's a celebration of, of cinema culture um, and a place to share what you're passionate about with people that are really passionate about filmmaking and and films in general. But uh, yeah, we 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 made this crazy portrait of uh, the United States, and what I think is a really important time to take a look at ourselves. A day in the life of America. Yeah. One day, July fourth. Yeah. How did you do this? What was it like? Almost a hundred crews around yeah. the country. Yeah. Yeah. First of all, who financed this? Uh, it was. It was. I did. I mean, wow. it wasn't. There wasn't the, the 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 craziest thing in the world to do because you know, the great thing about the times that we're living in is cheaper and easier than ever before right. to make films, especially documentary film, uh, and that's great. Uh, there 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 are so many stories worth exploring, and um, so it, it was it was pretty down and dirty, run and gun, but. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I was super passionate about the idea, and, and I put together this really um, hardworking group of people, and we just went for it. So explain what it is. Is it slices of life just it's, throughout the country, It right? really is. We, 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 on a single day, July 4th, we sent 92 crews all over the country, uh, had people in every single state, Puerto Rico and D.C., and we... Uh, turn the camera on ourselves and mm. we plotted and planned for weeks and weeks uh, we knew that we there were certain things we wanted to capture and then there were certain things that we hoped to capture capture and other things that we didn't know we would capture that we did and we were blown away by um, but you see the beauty of this country you see the contradiction you see the pain the hope um, the hope, a lot of hope, and it's mm -hmm. incredible. And in a time where it's so easy, probably for people to feel a bit hopeless, mm -hmm. um, um, that there's so much uh, optimism. But an ugly side of America too. Oh they, yeah, you have the KKK in there. Yeah, we have the KKK. We have the the warts and all. I mean, I I wanted to make an apolitical piece, and I really. That was a mandate um, that we all had, uh, all of the the camera crews and the producers, to take a good look at ourselves. I, th I don't think it was important not to take a side. Um, it's kind of hard not to. Uh, I think impossible to be completely objective, but we, we really didn't want to take a side. We wanted to hold up 
um, the camera mm. and uh, tell the story who who we are. Uh, what do you hope the movie does? You know, I, I think I hope it 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 continues a conversation that's mm-hmm. being had. As you can see, everybody in the film, it's not the first time they've thought or talked about these things. Right. I don't think, you know, whether it's the opiate crisis or equality or diversity, uh, whether it's Trump or ideas of America and the American dream, um, these are things that people are talking about. And for me, I, I really wanted it to be a time capsule that, you know, if you if you buried it and dug it up 100 years from now, you go, but you, you know exactly where uh, what time it was and um, what was happening in the world. What's the biggest thing you learned? Well, uh, that a lot happens uh, in a day. You know, we're all so consumed with our our lives, you know, our busy lives. And, you know, we're glued to our phones and to the news. And we know that a lot happens. But when I watch the film and when we're working on it, I think a really... I always lose sight of the fact that it was shot in a single day. Hmm. You know, because there's so much that happens. There's so much, I mean, just the physical uh, diversity in this country and the beauty of uh, the United States is in, just mind-blowing. Is this uh, a film you'd want to screen at the White House for the president? I mean, I think it, the, that would be an interesting experiment. You know, I, I think I would love everyone to see it. I mean, Donald Trump is, uh, President Donald Trump is, he's in the movie. Uh, so yeah, it'd be, it'd be I think, um, be great if he watched it. You said that people have hope. I mean, these are the people mm-hmm. that he's representing, right. right? You know, so I think that, you know, watching it would probably you know, just be a, a one more avenue to understand and continue to, to you know, uh, hear the voices that are, uh, that he represents. You said that um, there's a lot of hope. Yeah. Are you hopeful for the country? Uh, you know, I'm a hopeful pessimist, I guess. <laughs> Is that the glass half full or half empty? I don't know, or pessimistic <laughs> optimist. Um, you know, I, I think ultimately we'll get there, but man, we, we're going to cause a lot of damage. It doesn't seem like we all, none of us really change until we have to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it takes a significant amount of of drama and trauma. Um, and and uh, we like to beat ourselves up quite a bit, I suppose. But it is a fascinating time. Mm. And the film explores that fascinating time and you know we have the birth of children we have uh, people sharing their last words uh, we have incredibly surprising stories uh, we go from some of the most violent neighborhoods in the country to some of the most affluent mm. uh, you know I, I, on the 4th when the sun set I was in a helicopter above Los Angeles filming the fireworks and we had another camera crew that uh, was in New York flying around the Statue of Liberty and just filming this uh, this, this massive crescendo that happens right. in the film when the, 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 the country's celebrating. Because I don't know if I said it all takes place on the 4th of July. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was a really, really, we had a lot of fun making it. It was really exciting. And usually documentaries, they're not often 
shot in a day or an <laughs> no. hour, you know. So that that's that, that was kind of fun because usually, you know, you're, you're shooting and shooting and shooting. Uh, we were buried in footage afterwards. Yeah, how much footage? How many hours of footage? I mean, I, can, I can't even tell you. I can't even tell you. I mean, it, it's limitless. We, mm-hmm. we also had 10,000 submissions from people all over the country wow. and the world. So I had, I had originally asked for people to comment and tell us who they thought we were. So it was mm-hmm. like, you have to ask your neighbors right. too if you want to get an accurate, accurate portrait. But we ended up using only the footage that our camera crews shot for the most part. There were a couple of news real uh, shots or some news footage and um, so some of the uh, uh, crowdsourced footage. But for the most part, that's what we shot. Is a day in the life of the world next or a day in the life of another city? I mean, I'd love to do a day in the life of China, mm-hmm. day in the life of Russia, day in the life of, you know, I think it's fascinating. Yeah, India, my God, that would be incredible. Was there a group of people or someone you really wanted for this that you didn't get? Uh, there, yeah, there was actually it's quite a funny story. It was, it was We found this amazing uh, couple that agreed to let us film the birth of their child. And they were gonna do an at-home natural birth, which is, you know, very uh, brave in and of itself. And so so we filmed and, you know, uh, luckily enough, it, it the, the, the baby it was coming on the, the day that we shot, right? That was, that was the first big hurdle. Uh, and we're like, yes. And I was on the phone like an expectant father all day. <laughs> How are we doing? She dilated, you know, and uh, is it gonna happen before breathe, midnight? Breathe. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And 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 we kept checking in. It was like, oh my god, we're getting this amazing footage. She's in the bathtub, screaming in agony and uh, and joy. Uh, and she didn't have the baby until the tw- until the uh, the fifth. Mm. So. Spoiler alert, but what we did is we roll the credits and then we show the baby being born. Uh, but what did they name the kid? I forgot. Jared. I thought it should have been America, you know? July. Yeah. Independence. The fourth. Documentary. America the fourth is good. Um, but yeah, that was kind of fun. And, and, and there are some funny Actually, stuff Actually, my niece as well. was born on the 4th of July this are year. They? I just remember it. Oh, but she's in Mexico, so it wasn't well, that yeah, special for Yeah, her. yeah, yeah. But, um, but uh, it, it, what, 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 what surprised me as well, how controversial some of the stuff that's in the film is. And mm-hmm. it is, uh, you know, that's us. Right. You know. So Morbius. Yeah. I, I want to talk a little bit more about the superhero world. Sure. Avengers this weekend is supposed to make... Three hundred million dollars domestic. That's it. <laughs> Come How on! Crazy. I thought I thought it was going to be a billion, maybe worldwide. How like, crazy is that? <clears throat> well, people love the movie. Yeah, you know, and they're good, great films. How much did you love playing the Joker? I mean, I loved you in that role. I loved it. I mean, I love these films uh, because they get people excited about going to the movies again. Yeah. Um, uh, or just period. I don't know about again, but a period. So I think that's that's a miracle. Mm-hmm. I mean, five, ten years ago, I don't know if we thought that there would be people this excited uh, about, you know, going to the movies this weekend. Right. Uh, so I think that's a celebration, um, and they've created a you know mythology uh, that people love, and the actors are phenomenal and. 
I mean, I, I, I'm all in. I love it. I think it's a lot. It's a blast. And I think, you know, Hollywood's been making uh, big, fun, epic films since, you know, the yeah. very beginning. This isn't something uh, that's like, you know, I heard someone talking about like, that there, if there's a downside to this, I, I think What's it's the downside? All, I think it's fun and the movies are good. And what I think is great to see is that usually when you make film after film after film, the quality, you know, we, we, we goes down. But right. it's kind of nice to see that it can, uh, you know, they can challenge audiences with longer films, right. more uh, involved plots, deeper character exploration. I think all of that's incredible. So we're going to see you in Birds of Prey or what? I don't think so. But you have to ask them. <laughs> the internet um, says maybe you are. Oh, really? <laughs> well, we'll see. Uh, would you want to play the Joker again? I would. Uh, I would definitely play the Joker again. Yeah. I mean, it all depends on the script and the circumstances, as it always does for right. all of these. Um, but you know, right now we're so we're literally shooting. We flew over here for a day, so wow. we're shooting in full Morbius mode. Uh, and it's been a lot of fun, surprisingly. Why do you say surprisingly? Well, a lot of these films can be really difficult. Um, and uh, this film specifically has had some major challenges um, with the role and the things like that. But we've, we've had a lot of fun doing it. And um, yeah, it's, it's been an adventure. Have you watched the Joaquin Joker trailer? No, no, I haven't seen it. No, but you have a green tie in celebration of all things Joker. <laughs> I, honestly, that's why I did it. <laughs> and I knew you'd so pick up on it. Uh, I knew you'd pick up on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, why hasn't the DC world hit as much as the Disney Marvel world? Oh, I think it has. Yeah. I just asked Jason Momoa. <laughs> that's true. I mean, I think Wonder Woman was one of the more exciting things ever to happen. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it was phenomenal. And it was a beautiful performance. And I think DC World's been pretty great, you know, from for a long time. Mm -hmm. You can't win every single time. No. Uh, but no, I think they're doing just fine. And I mean, people loved Shazam. I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen it yet either. Yeah. But I, I mean, I, people really loved that film. And, you know, I mean, sometimes, you you know, you, you who's perfect? I'm not. That's You're, for sure. I found your Joker pretty perfect. You know I, I was a I fan appreciate, of that Joker. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. And, uh, I mean, I loved doing it. And, you know, we'll see what happens in the future. But I think DC's, uh, I think they're doing okay, man. They'll be okay. I, I mean, I'm not too worried about them. No. <laughs> no. Okay, a couple of fun questions. When was the last time you cried at the movies? Um, 1978. <laughs> that Ricky Schroeder movie. The Champ? Yeah, The Champ. That's not the last time you cried. I don't believe that. I think it may have been. I had my tear ducts removed. <laughs> uh, or at least it feels like it. Um, no, you know what? I get teary-eyed on a plane more often than I do not... I don't know why that is. Just flying or watching a movie on a plane? No, just flying. <laughs> no, I, I uh, no watching a film on a plane. It could be like that was Dumb and Dumber too, and I'm like, you know, I have a tear <laughs> rolling down my face. Uh, 
Yeah, there's got to be some science to that. I'm not sure what it is. And what's the one movie you could watch over and over again and it just never gets old? Um, God, like 500 movies just came to mind. <laughs> I mean, I really love the films of the 70s and, and early 80s, you know, that, that era of just kind of brutalist independent American film you know the Scorsese Scorsese's and Coppola's and you know I love Heaven's Gate which is a movie that a lot of people probably haven't seen mm-hmm. um, why do you love that? well it's funny because I, I actually because I didn't see it when I was very young but for me like Apocalypse Now and those kind of movies were made such a huge impact on me but Heaven's Gate I didn't see in that time that I saw all those other movies because uh, it was a, it was really a big um, disaster when it came out. It was a, considered a bomb, and I think uh, a big bomb, a big bomb. But I, and I was, you know, I watched it. And I'm like, okay, this is this is the one that was supposed to be this disaster. But I, I found it to be incredibly beautiful. Um, so I love all those films. You know, I think there's so much to learn from those movies. Awesome. Thank you, sir. Yeah, thanks. This man. was great. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate thank it. You. That was Jared Leto. Coming up after a short break. We've got Kevin Costner talking about his Netflix movie, The Highwaymen. Stay tuned. What do explorers, an army officer, and a Minnesota insurance salesman have in common? They all wanted to be the first to reach the North Pole, but only one of them made it. I'm Kat Long, science editor at Mental Floss and host of the new podcast, The Quest for the North Pole, which dives into the centuries-long race to explore the Arctic, find the Northwest Passage, and conquer the top of the world. With a cast of daring adventurers and some pretty determined amateurs, the race to the pole reveals the human desire to solve mysteries of geography and the soul. We'll look at the important Arctic expeditions that filled the blank spaces on the map and recognize how indigenous people made them successful. We'll examine what pushed explorers to venture ever farther into the unknown and uncharted and how the climate crisis is changing the Arctic today. Listen to The Quest for the North Pole every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. This is The Big Ticket. I'm your host, Mark Malkin. And now we've got Kevin Costner. I sat down with the Oscar winner at South by Southwest in March, the morning after the premiere of The Highwayman. He stars in the Netflix movie as Frank Hamer, the legendary Texas Ranger who led the hunt for and the eventual fatal capture of Bonnie and Clyde. What did you know about Frank? I mean, we know the Arthur Penn movie. Um, what I learned last night when John Lee Hancock said that his widow sued Warner Brothers. Yeah. That oh, was amazing to Well, me. if you know a lot about it, it's like, like, you know, I mean, he was in two shootouts with his wife. Right. Where they killed people. Yeah. She but, had a gun. He had a gun. Hamer, right? One was right in front of the courthouse, and they were having a trial, and they, the jury, everybody ran to the windows, and after the shootout, the judge declared it self-defense. <laughs> Hamer and his wife. Right. And another time, you know, actually we had a scene that got cut out where Hamer and his wife were in another shootout, and she shoots this guy, her former husband or somebody, and her brother also shoots him, and she, they ruled that it wasn't her bullet that killed him. <laughs> I, you know, and we end the scene with, "How does that work?" And just say Texas, <laughs> right? Right. 
So what was the question exactly? I want um, to make sure. <laughs> um, that, you know, that she sued Warner Brothers after the author. Yeah, she did. Yeah. Because her husband stood in front of mobs and keep them from hanging people of color. Right. Uh, and, and other incredible things and going, how could you possibly get this wrong? How could you possibly confuse my husband for anything other than a hero? Right. Shame on you for combining him with another character to serve your movie. Mm. And that family's live with I got a letter from one of the great grandchildren this morning. Wow. Feeling like that, you know, that they you thought they were gonna go see a story about their great great grandfather and felt like they were watching him. Wow. They had like a relationship with you know, it's really it, it, the pain of that. And they weren't murdered. You know, Frank wasn't murdered like other people were murdered. Right. But they murdered his reputation. Made me think, be more conscious as a filmmaker. I think I said that last night yeah. on stage. What, what responsibility did you feel? Then? Well, I feel that obviously I've always felt like you want to try to get it right when you're dealing with a real person. But in this particular instance, I, I have uh, watched movies of you know, combined characters sometimes, and there's economic reasons, like I said. It's like, yeah. geez, instead of two airplane tickets or three, you know, <laughs> you're always trying to make your money stretch. Why right. couldn't this guy just say everything? And you make a decision about that. But when you're dealing with real people, you see the consequences. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm sure Penn, if that lawyer took him down memory lane about who... Um, Frank, let me tell you who Frank Hamer is right. versus who you portrayed him to be. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that Penn was affected. If you could ask Frank a question today, what would it be? Um, well, God, God you, know, they, you know, my movies are long and so would my conversation be. <laughs> so a single question, uh, I'd have to think a lot about, a, a lot about that. Um, uh, you know... Um, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't even know where to start with that single right. question. Um, I'm, you know, I'm interested in his life. You know, there's some people are cut out for things. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't even know it. Right. Um, and they just are built that way. Mm. You know, um, and it's just um, he was one of those unique guys, like a Wyatt Earp. That it's like, wow, they're all they're all in these same fights, and they, you know, it's like. Why do they survive and other people don't? Measure of luck, measure of spontaneity. How many bullets did he have in him? What's that? How many bullets did he have in him? Yeah, it was uh, <laughs> not counting buckshot, about right. 16. Jeez. You know, and um, so, yeah, you, they're not, you know, for me to pretend that's who I am, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not him. But I could portray him. And what's crazy about, I mean, we know the story. We know how the story ends. But even so, in the scene, in like that dust field, and they sort of just disappear like ghosts. Right. I'm like, are they not going to get them? Like, there's, right. a, there's a point that, where that, you think... That dust field was a little bit of a metaphor, yeah. if you will. You know, not completely realistic, mm -hmm. but a metaphor that you could chase them and chase them and chase them. And... um Clyde was really was not uncommon for him to drive a thousand miles at a stretch. Wow! I mean, hitting gas stations, robbing them as they go, but it was not uncommon. They were in back roads, and so um, 
so it was a metaphor really mm-hmm. you know you know you know they asked themselves that question are we too old for this because he drove 400 miles right. and had breakfast <laughs> and that may have been a thing they used to be you know do right. you know and um I think that quest- Manny questions himself, mm-hmm. and I think it just fuels Frank more. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, Kevin talks politics and why he thinks Michelle Obama could run for president. I'm Robert Evans, host of Behind the Bastards, and it could happen here. And boy, it does seem to be happening here. I'm going to guess most of the people listening to this are deeply concerned with what they saw happen in Washington, D.C. on January 6th. And I'm here to tell you it was a fascist insurrection, an attempt by fascists to take over our democracy. And it didn't happen in a historical vacuum. There have been numerous attempts, many of them successful, by fascist movements to take over democracies over the last century. In order to protect yourself, in order to protect your family and your very freedom, you need to understand this history and the history of the different anti-fascist movements that have fought, sometimes successfully, often unsuccessfully, to stop the same things from happening in their own countries. The knowledge of this history is important, and it's maybe the only thing that can save us. So, if you're as concerned as I am, listen to Behind the Insurrections on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Do you ever wish you could get more from your podcast? Well, you can with BuzzFeed Daily, hosted by me, Casey Rackham. And me, Zach Safford. On our show, we've got more good news and more pop culture. More memes and more celebrity tea. More of everything that's blowing up your timeline and trending on the internet. Every weekday evening, we're giving you more of what you need to enjoy your day. Because what's life if it isn't to be enjoyed? Listen to BuzzFeed Daily on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Back with more Kevin Costner. How has Hollywood changed? It's going to be 30 years Dances with Wolves next year. Since what? With Dances with Wolves next year, 30 years. Really? Yeah. It feels like it's going to be <laughs> 30 years for Field of Dreams and 30 years for Bull Durham. Well, right. It's, that, know, it's those series years. of movies really, um, you know, it, it just shows you that, you know, movies can have that generational watch. Mm-hmm. They can but on the surface, Field of Dreams, really? On the surface, Dances with Wolves, yeah, they called it Kevin's Gate. You know, on the, you know, on, on, you know, Bull Durham, a little movie about minor league baseball. But it's like men and women. Their stories are men and women and, mm-hmm. and, and dreams. They're, they're all three kind of very different. But there's something, you know, when, when writers get it right, and that's, I've always pinned my, my career on writing, you know, I, I feel it just, it props you up. I mean, mm-hmm. if you feel like it's you just getting by in your natural charm, you're wrong because mm-hmm. you can't sustain it. It's mm-hmm. it's got to be the movie. It's got to be the literature. Mm-hmm. What about directing? I know I'm going to. What's going on? I'm going <laughs> to direct. Yeah. What are you going to direct? It's like Tell us. Ve- it's like eating vegetables <laughs> for me. Is it really? Why? I always think somebody else could do it better. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to try to play the second half of my career doing it. Mm. Uh, I've got a Western I want to do and about five other movies that are, that are written. Why is it Why is it so tough for you? Why is it like eating vegetables? Why is it what? Why is it like eating vegetables? 
No, I, I, I maybe made a cute joke. <laughs> but it's like I do, you know, I have, you know, the feeling that, you know, other people know the camera better and things like that. I, I just I just really, am, when I direct, I'm protective of the story. Mm-hmm. So I may not bring all the, the tricks of the thing, but I won't miss the moment. Mm-hmm. So when you're going to direct these next projects, are you going to star in them also? I'll act in a few of them because it's just, you know, that's how I found the material, you know, or responded to it. Um, supporting parts, sometimes lead, whatever. Yeah. And I know we talked about this last night. I mean, there are more opportunities because there's just so many more platforms now. You could there do are. Them, you could do streaming. But I'm stubborn about <laughs> where it goes and... and um, what the economics mean for myself and my family and, and for my partners. I'm real stubborn, you know, if it's just to work and create, you know, wealth for other people, you know, I've done that. Mm-hmm. And I'm, um, I'm, I just, you know, these projects I own and I just, I'm not going to do them for free, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I, cause I understand that movies can still be playing 30 years from now. Right, which they are. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and you look at a movie like The Highwayman, and it has a theatrical release, but then it's on streaming pretty quickly. Yeah. Were you surprised by that? Or did you no, know that going I, in because it's I felt, Netflix? I felt that that was, you know, going to happen. Absolutely was going to happen. I, I think that, you know, um, John certainly made this film because... He understood where it was going to go, but I think you know he yearned for it to be on the big screen, and and I think that Netflix helped him with that idea and supported it to the to the um, length that they could based on their own business model. Mm-hmm. What movies have you watched lately that you've been impressed by? Oh, <laughs> God. I don't watch a lot of movies. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I watched Solo. You know, mm-hmm. pretty amazing. Yeah, I mean, that's that was just... a, that was that was interesting. You know, I I know I've you know I I can't think. I'm a, I'm a fog. Mm-hmm. Honestly, mm-hmm. with the, everything that's going on, it's a bit of a fog. Right, right. Back in, um, I just wanted to turn a little bit to politics. Oh, I liked oh. Um, I liked Vice. I thought that Vice. I mean, Christian Bale. Like you yeah. literally just forgot it was him. Yeah, you just. Oh, he was great, and that director, um, really, really nice, and um, that was really, really well done. You mentioned. I, I thought. I thought um, Rockwell was great. Yeah. Um, and um, Carell, and I, I just, I just thought it was really good. And I was just about to ask you about politics, and you brought up Vice. Um, in 2008, you uh, campaigned for Barack Obama. Yeah. What do you think is going to happen in 2020? Well, Barack can't run. Right. <laughs> Michelle can. It's like when you say, what do you think? What do you know for sure? That's what I know for sure. Michelle could. Uh, Michelle is incredibly bright and articulate. And, um, and um, you know, it's possessed of, you know, really, I think, good judgment and, and, and experienced a lot as a result of her husband and uh, brings that, you know. So why couldn't she be? I mean... You know, the Constitution provides it. You know, yep. American citizen <laughs> can do it. And so, you know, um, 
I doubt we'll see that. You're the one who brought her name up. But, 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 I, but <laughs> I, I tell you, she would have, you know, a, a level of interest for me. What do you, where do you see the country? One of the things I, I read, you, you said while you were campaigning for Barack Obama, was that your generation didn't change the world, and it was the next generation that, you know, it was their responsibility to vote. Young right. people to vote and change right. the world. Has the world changed? No. No, I, I think... Uh, I think we're going to look at ourselves and wonder what in the world we were thinking about. Um, you know, we we have uh, put our own careers, politically speaking, we've, we've convinced our politicians and convinced ourselves that their being in office is is or their experience is so important that they can they can um, somehow uh, dismiss what a level of responsibility that they have mm-hmm. right at the moment. To do the right thing, um, you know. I think I think eighty percent, ninety percent of America's problems um, are common sense solves that don't don't um, lie within one party or not. I think there's ten percent, fifteen percent of things that are really hard, and they, by definition, they deserve the word problem. They're problem. How do we do this? Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, we never solve a problem if we ex- if we uh, exaggerate or inflate. We it, it has to be you have to look at a problem straightforward, and you can't you can't shade it. Mm. You can't do anything because you can't. The thing that's in short of supply is good information, and that's what we all need to make great decisions. So, um, you know, the political landscape is unrecognizable to me. And shame on us for being in that spot, and uh, that could change overnight, uh, not because of a vote, just because people say, you know, I want to try to be about more than mm. myself. And do you think that would happen? And that's that's the definition of public service, right? Do you think that'll happen? No. Yeah. No, and um, you know, we have a. This is the greatest experiment in um, in humankind, America. This great idea about America, and it still exists. It's still here, and it's people still want to come here. Um, but we're not first in hardly anything that matters, and we have an inflated idea about uh, you know how we are. I think mm-hmm. we exaggerate about what we are. We are everything that's great and we are everything that's human and mm-hmm. our humanness is really uh, our uh, level of selfishness is overtaking our chance to be great mm-hmm. do you look at any politicians and say that's the person who could fix it no i asked castro that one time really I've, yeah i was pretty go clo- ahead. i was pretty close to him one time yeah. and we were we were sh- talking and and we were by ourselves and i said you know I said, is there any politician, world leader, when you look back on your career that you didn't like at the moment, Mm -hmm. but as you get distance now that you look back and you go, they were good, they were straight Mm -hmm. with me. And he said, no, no one. Wow. Now, you know, it was interesting. That was like, he wasn't impressed with anyone. (laughs) No, no one. Right. Does that, I mean, 
I have to say, do you... I thought he would say somebody that right. he might have been fond of, like, you know, that I... Now with distance. Right. No, no one. Who do you look at from distance who maybe you didn't think was so great then and now? You know what? That was a pretty good guy. Pretty good woman up there. Oh, I don't, you know, you know, I don't, I don't take a deep dive on politics, uh, but, you know, um, you know... Uh, I, you know, I thought George Bush Sr. was a was a really good man, mm-hmm. a really good man, um, and uh, you know, in a you know, from being knocked out of his plane in World War II to you know, there was just a goodness about him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, he stopped everything that he was doing to allow my older brother who served in Vietnam to come into the White House and look around. It's just, there was a goodness. He understood um, the opportunities that he could afford other people, mm. you know. Um, but, you know, he's not the only one, you know. Um, you know, I miss the flavor of John Kennedy speaking. I think Barack um, uh, was able to emulate that in a lot of wonderful ways. Um I'm anxious to, uh, I'm anxious for conservative ideas to emerge and I'm anxious for liberal ideas to meld with mm. that because you know there's a conservative approach about how to do things but there's a reality with 300 million people that people fall through the cracks mm-hmm. and they are important and they have to be looked out for and not everybody in the world can pull themselves up by the bootstraps has anyone ever approached you to run for office I've had people say silly things like that. <laughs> <laughs> so my next question, have you ever considered it? <laughs> I, just, I would not do it. Why not? I just wouldn't do it. Kevin, on that note, thank you so much. You're welcome. And that was Kevin Costner. Thanks so much for listening. Coming up next week, Halle Berry talking about that crazy stunt work in John Wick 3 and her directorial debut. She's actually directing a movie about female MMA fighting. It's all next week on The Big Ticket. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandslots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply